Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. It may be hard to believe that anyone has little or no access to today's digital world, but many do. Our first guests have given a lot of thought to what that means. Rory Kennedy is a documentary filmmaker whose film, Without a Net, The Digital Divide in America, will be shown in St. Louis this evening. By the way, she is the daughter of Robert Kennedy. Tom Cranning is, director, is uh, the director of STEM, or Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math programs for the Greater St. Louis Area Council of the Boy Scouts of America. Chris Bay is vice president of education at Launch Code. It helps people prepare for careers in the technology fields. Gentlemen and ladies, thank you so much for being with us. Roy, a special welcome to you. I hope you enjoy your time in St. Louis. Thank you. It's great to be here. Let me begin with you. Uh, could you give kind of an overview of the problem that your, your film details? Yeah, so our film is called Without a Net, The Digital Divide in America, and it's looking at people in this country who don't have access to the Internet or to technology. Our film focuses mostly on the public school systems. Um, There's over a million classrooms in this country which are not adequately connected and don't have enough computer devices. Um, And so it's a real challenge in this country. I remember when I started this film and saying, you know, I'm doing a a film about the digital divide and people who don't have access to computers and technology. And they would say, oh, well, what countries are you filming in? (laughs) And I'd say, this is an issue right here in this country. And people are amazed. Now that you brought it up, how, how do we compare to other countries? Well, you know, the truth is is that in many ways we're we're really far behind and there are a lot of uh countries in Asia and Europe even in South America who are really committed to technology and understand that it is the future and they put the resources into that and and we really are not. I mean, in this country right now there are 4 million STEM jobs that are going unfulfilled because we don't have enough people who have that knowledge base to to fill them. So, you know, and they say that 77% of jobs are going to require technology by the year 2020, which is right around the corner. So, um, and yet we're really not investing in it in in this significant way. I think I've read that the divide that we're speaking about uh, is more pronounced in the urban areas than in the rural areas. Is that right? Well, I would say actually that the rural areas are the most challenged because, you know, when you're talking about high-speed internet connectivity, you really need fiber optic cables that that, um, can deliver the amount of information that we need. And and the reality is is it's much harder in rural communities to, to... to logistically to wire it, right, because you're going much further distances to a smaller population. Um, so for the phone companies, the telecommunication companies, it doesn't financially make sense, and that's where I think you really need the federal government to step in and have stipends and support mm-hmm. that effort. Chris, how is this manifesting itself in, in your shop, Launch Code? Yeah, so Launch Code, uh, we're a nonprofit dedicated to providing free access to education to adults to try to get into technology careers. So, you know, Rory mentioned the 70% plus of jobs that will require technological skills. A, a growing proportion of those are jobs that require software development or related skills as well. And that's one of the biggest gaps in our economy. Over a million jobs will be unfilled in that area mm-hmm. um, by 2020. And, you know, Launch Code is trying to fill a need that. Uh, exists from both individuals and employers, right? There are a lot of individuals who have been left behind by our educational systems that can't afford to go to college. Uh, They come out of high school with skills that are not applicable to a a reasonable uh, job. And so there's a growing gap between the haves and the have-nots, between the lower class 
and, and the upper middle class. And so LaunchCode tries to fill that gap from an educational perspective and a job placement perspective and to provide those job and educational opportunities to those that can't get them through the traditional means that our you know, systemic inequalities in our, in our country are not able to meet. Do you have any trouble filling the desks at LaunchCode? We do not, no. We, yeah. we routinely uh, run classes of 100 to 150 students, and we have four to five times that number of applicants. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a very, you know... From both the individual perspective, the individuals that are that are hungry for these opportunities and are willing to put in long hours and hard work to to obtain them, and also from the the employers as well that are you know really need these jobs to grow their own companies. There's huge need from both sides, and the gap is really in educational and technological access and providing the opportunities to these people that that really want them and are hungry for them. Tom, I have to confess that when I saw your job title, I was a little surprised to find out that the Boy Scouts have this STEM program. What's that all about? Well, sure, Don. Well, I was actually very surprised myself. I'm a 28-year professional with the Boy Scouts, Eagle Scout, and I did a little bit of STEM-based badges back in the day. But honestly, for 108 years, we've always been in the education business in STEM. Mm -hmm. From the earliest merit badges, um, you could look at chemistry, architecture. They were all there and helping our young people learn about the various sciences, technology of the day, and that's all been evolving through the years. So uh, we actually were pushed by our corporate partners about seven years ago that understand their need with that we're impacting young people from kindergarten on up that we can be that emphasis there to help plant those seeds early to help young people learn about STEM, the various disciplines, and even with uh, the variety of just STEM career choices out there. And for us, just to take it even further, where we're already a very strong partner working with our various school systems. So uh, it's been a, a huge leap for us and very exciting. I would never thought where we created something from nothing last six years and uh, some new advancement programs and where our families and young people just taken off just by offering more of these opportunities. Well, why do you think it is that young people don't seem as interested in, in uh, the STEM disciplines as they should be? Uh, well, I, you know, it's interesting comparing where I was in school, you know, 30, 40 years ago, and, and now that there's just so many different choices, so many things I think they get hit with, and whether it's more in entertainment or just what uh, interest they have. And so I don't know. It's interesting to us, though, where we put more emphasis in STEM that, that now that we make it more available, young people are coming more into the fold, but I don't know if we just got away from that or maybe just not it's not as uh, attractive as it should be and so that we've been putting more energy into it that it's coming around but I think it's just taking more time though to uh, just keep adding more programs and more things that will excite these young people to take it on. Rory, but it, isn't it ironic that you can, it's hard to find a young person today who doesn't have some sort of a device? I mean, they're mm-hmm. tech savvy. Uh, they know, seem to know how everything works and, and uh, how to make it even better. They're, it is ironic, isn't it, that they use this stuff but don't, aren't interested in the fields? Well, you know, I would disagree with that to some degree because I do think that when you give the kids the technology in the classrooms, they become much more interested in learning. They get much more excited about about various fields, and they want to pursue it. Um, and that's one of the great, you know, opportunities that we're missing, which is that it not only helps them prepare for the job market, but it gets them more excited about learning and learning specifically about STEM, um, you know, initiatives. So I think that – I think people – and this is goes back to my earlier comment, which is the sense everybody has this technology and what, what's the issue here, is that the reality is, is that if you look at 
the people who have access to it, it's wealthier communities, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at the poorer communities, they, in fact, don't have access. And, you know, you might say, well, they all have a cell phone. That's, first of all, not entirely true. A lot of people don't have cell phones who are in the poorer communities. And, you know, I found this young girl in Harlem who was at a public school in New York, and she didn't have access to technology at home or at school. And she would come home, they would assign a paper, and she would write the paper on her mom's cell phone using her thumbs. Mm -hmm. And she would, you know, I filmed with her, and she's like, yeah, you know, it hurts a little bit to write the paper. Mm. My thumbs crack, and I'm not, not really crazy about that. But, you know, at least I can write the paper. <laughs> and where right. I'm like, are we making it physically difficult for these mm -hmm. kids to learn? Are we, ma are we torturing them? You know, so that's the reality. I mean, yeah, they might have their mom's cell phone, but do we really want them writing papers on their mom's cell phone? Like, is that where we are as a country? Hey, Chris, you're just sitting there nodding like yeah, crazy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely in agreement with everything Roy just said. I think that something we see a lot is we don't – LaunchCode doesn't work directly in the K-12 through space, but we're working with individuals that are coming out of that space, right? And so um, there's a lot of talk and a lot of energy and a lot of uh, nonprofits and different schools doing different initiatives to expose kids to technology, to expose kids to coding. <laughs> Um, but what you don't see is you don't see those things happening at a systemic level. Missouri doesn't have any standardized computer science education in high schools. You're more likely to learn about photosynthesis than you are about how the Internet works. Mm -hmm. And I think we would all agree that the latter is far more important to, to modern jobs. And so, um, you know, where you do see the energy, it happens to be in more affluent schools. Um, it's in the St. Louis area. It's, it's, you know, west of the city. Um, you also see it a lot in sort of gifted or, or after-school programs. And we're talking about skills that need to be core skills for these, these young people. Mm -hmm. we're, we're not serving them properly. Um, and we're just creating larger, potentially, uh, economic and educational disparities for the future generations. Tom, what do you and the Boy Scouts do to, to, to uh, help these kids learn the technology and work with the technology? Do you provide equipment, that sort of thing, or do they have to have it on their own? Uh, in most cases, we provide it just okay. because the lack of, and then we host a lot of events. Um, we're pretty proud that practically every weekend with uh, either things we do through our volunteers and other just uh, corporate partners in our communities that we just hope, uh, host a lot of variety. Of, of workshops that gets young people into using tablets or various computers and if they're doing things with digital technology, coding. Uh, we have a really robust new advancement program called the NOVA program. So it takes our merit badge program to another level and where they have to deal with experiments and having the interaction with professionals and it's just that insight which has just been really tremendous. But for me it's just the excitement of what, how hands-on it is and whether they have it or not but that we make sure uh, with some of our activities, example, like even at the University of Missouri-St. Louis, we do a STEM university. We've been doing that for six years. And when they've given us access to computer labs, chemistry labs, and just letting our volunteers come in and working with, along with some professors, that, yeah, these young people are getting a wonderful experience. But that's what we've been trying to do, at least if they have yet to have that experience, if it kind of plants that seed, uh, gets them interested in doing more of those things with technology and certainly working closer with our school district to see that we can, while we do things after school and weekends, we can reinforce wholly what's being taught or possibly not being taught. What, what percentage of these kids are poor? Oh, well, I would say uh, we're working with about, uh, I think, at least 25% of our, our membership, uh, at least coming through, like, uh, City St. Louis and North County areas that are our members that we're really trying to push these programs to them, uh, whether if it's at our camps and we're making even mobile computer labs there for them to take advantage of. Um, 
but uh, that's where we're at least in trying to impact a lot of just our entire really community. We serve in Greater St. Louis, 51 counties from this part of the Metro East, Metro North, or West rather, all the way down to the Missouri Boot Hill in Southern Illinois. So we really see it all. And then for my job, my team of three, we really try to, with our volunteers, deliver a lot of STEM programs. So it's been quite a ride these last six years just to keep impacting 67,000 young people within that membership. Rory and Chris, is this the answer? Is this the way it has to go, do you think? Well, I think ultimately you want, um, you know, a more systemic approach. I mean, I think this kind of um, efforts are hugely important, and we need to do everything we can. I mean, ultimately, I would like the federal government to step in in a big way because to have – uh, to reach the numbers of people that we need to reach in the in the entire country, you really need, you know, for example, looking back at the history of our country, when we developed the telephone system, tele, you know, the phone companies said we can't afford to get to these rural areas, and the government stepped in and subsidized that effort. So I think you need something significant on a federal level at this point. But in the meantime, we these efforts yeah. are absolutely essential. And everything mm-hmm. that the communities are doing, um, you know, we need the state governments. We need the, the federal governments, obviously, the local governments. I think we need nonprofit organizations like the Boy Scouts of America and, and then also corporations to step in. And, and we're seeing that. And it's, it, it's a bit of a makeshift approach. But, you know, I'm here because the public library here in St. Louis is making mm-hmm. a big effort to get people connected and, and making sure their library systems are connected and not just the central library, but the remote libraries, which are in these locations where the need is even greater. And, you know, that's fantastic. And that is essential to get because nobody else is doing it right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, these these efforts are are magnificent. I, Chris, I have to take a break, but let me ask you if, if more government uh, help is the answer. I think it's a big a big start. I think there also need to be more local solutions, you know, the library mm-hmm. systems. Uh, I also think that, that the, the workplace dynamics and the dynamics around hiring um, need to shift as well to create alternatives to traditional educational barriers that, that keep people out of these jobs mm-hmm. and prevent people from taking advantage of opportunities as well. Well, I have to take that break now. I'd like to invite our listening audience to come into the conversation if they'd like to. 382-8255 is the number. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email if you like to talk at stlpublicradio.org or if you would prefer to send a tweet, we'll take it at STL on air. Back to continue our conversation on the digital divide in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And welcome back to our discussion about America's digital divide. You know, one of the things that I found, and it's been mentioned several times here, Rory, is the fact that what the libraries are doing, you can't go into a library in this area without finding a big room with a lot of computers in it and a lot of people uh, doing their thing with the computers. It's got to be a key component. It's a huge component, and I'm so um, impressed with the St. Louis Public Library, and I think they really are forward-thinking in their approach to this issue um, and really uh, moving towards an effort to to make sure all of their libraries are wired, that um, that their computers there. And I love their initiative where they also will have mobile Wi-Fi devices that people Mm -hmm. can take into their own homes. You know, that's a huge issue. 
And we found that with the public schools, that even if a public school invested in the new technology, um, internet, and the computers and and teacher training, that often the kids would then go home and have these homework assignments and not be able to do them because they required that connectivity. In one uh, location we filmed in, in Coachella, California, which is one of the poorest school districts in the country, they put devices, Wi-Fi devices, on the buses and then they left the buses at night in these poor communities. And you would go out and there would be, you know, 10 or 15, 20 kids doing their homework mm-hmm. right near the bus. And you see that here now in St. Louis where even after the library doors are closed, there are kids out there doing their homework outside of the library. Yeah. I mean, this is how desperate these people yeah. are and these kids are and how much they want this. They, they want to learn. They want to be connected. They want the technology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's great that St. Louis, the public libraries are giving it to them. It's great the initiatives that both the panelists here are doing. And right now we just got to do everything. And, you know, I would just add one more point, which is this is a great opportunity where it is relatively low cost to really start evening the playing field and providing access to people who historically in this country have really been left out. Low cost in terms of acquiring the equipment? Yeah, just in the in the big scheme of things, you can get computers and internet available to kids who don't have resources, and a whole world opens up to them. I understand that, but I also understand the problem that uh, municipalities, school districts have financially through, across the board, rural, suburban? Well, that is very true. And I think that, you know, and we address that issue in our film and look at kind of the more systemic issues in our education system, which is tied to the real estate and the property values of the local districts. So, you know, if you're in a rich, wealthy well-endowed neighborhood, your school is going to be better because they're going to have more money. And if you're in a poor district, it's going to be worse off because you you don't have as much. And so I do think that we need as a country to address that larger systemic issue and make sure that, you know, all of the schools have, have the basic needs. I mean, there are certainly schools out there that don't have enough. And my kids go to a public school and the teacher says, we don't have enough pencils. You know, it sends me an email saying, can you get us some erasers mm-hmm. and pencils and glue sticks, right? So I understand that issue and that challenge. And I think it's a question of what our priorities are. And, and I think we should be investing in the young people in this country because they're the future and, and we need them. You talk about more government assistance, and if the school districts are uh, having difficulties financially, government is too. I mean, again, it's a question you say it's not expensive, but uh, any expense is a problem for state, local, and and even the federal government. Well, then it's a big question of priorities, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, how much money do you want to be spending in military and wars and versus educating the kids in this country? So Mm -hmm. that that taps into kind of larger issues that we need to deal with as a nation and what we want to prioritize. And personally, my belief is that we want to make sure that people have the basics in this country, Mm -hmm. that they have enough food, that they have housing, that they have... um, the basic needs and, you know, the education system. I mean, there's schools right now in the country, I I believe in Oklahoma, where they're down to a four-day school week because they're not Mm -hmm. investing, you know, and there's teachers who haven't gotten raises in 10 years. So, you know, are we as a country going to just let these people fall behind and not invest? 
I think it needs to be multifaceted and, and, you know, approach these issues systemically. And I think the technology is certainly one a very important aspect of, of kind of the, the, the pie. You have to wonder, though, in today's political environment, whether the will is there on the part of, of government to get involved in this, whether it's necessary or not, whether the mood is, is right. Yeah, well, maybe in the midterms we'll have a change of direction. (laughs) Spoken like a true Kennedy, (laughs) right? Exactly, (laughs) a hopeful Kennedy. Right, right. Um, Chris, what what? what sort of initiatives is LaunchCode involved in to kind of deal with this? Well, we have our own education programs that we offer to the public. Uh, they're, they're free and accessible. And, you know, looking, talking about the access and the, the prioritization that Rory is talking about, it really is there are ways to do this that are palatable, I think, at every level of government. I mean, if you look at the cost to educate someone in a technological field, you might try to equate that with a four-year degree, but with the work that LaunchCode is doing, we're able to get that cost down to you know one to two thousand dollars per individual, and then at the same time, turn someone who may have a household income of thirty thousand dollars or less a year within a year to somebody who has a household income of fifty to sixty k. So the the economic return on investment is huge there mm-hmm. for the individuals and for the communities. So. It is a matter of prioritization, and so we, we provide this educational programming for free in our space to the community to specifically drive this growth and to fill individual uh, job opportunity and, and economic growth opportunities, but also you know company needs as well. It, it comes from both sides. And I would just add to that that I read a statistic or heard one this morning that the unemployment rate in uh, this state is 2% for graduates for college graduates, right? So, you know, that's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. And that says to me that these kids who do have the education, mm-hmm. who do have the tools, there's jobs yes. out there. And yet there's another statistic about St. Louis that 50% of the, the families here don't have access to the technology that they need. So, you know, that's where the divide is, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to bridge and, and, and kind of fill that gap. Then we're right in line with the statistics I have from the Pew folks in which they say that about half of blacks and Hispanics have Internet access at home. That's half. That's one out of two. Yeah, and that's, so that's, that means half don't. Half don't. Right. And it takes us right back to uh, to what you were saying before about the more affluent districts who are able to do it. Right. Um, Tom, where is this this taking us? We've we've heard some figures with regard to the number of technology jobs, mm-hmm. IT jobs, what have you, that uh, are, are going to be out there in the future. We're just going to fall farther behind, aren't we? Correct. I mean, as this uh, trend continues. Yeah, at least what I've learned in the last six years, and, and I really got to give credit to Rory on what she's put together to really uh, bring more attention to this this crisis. And I think just it's, there's a lot of things with STEM and just filling those career gaps, but also just you know, where do companies want to be in the next 15, 20 years? And if they're not investing now, and, and even from our federal government on down, state governments or corporations, us or local communities – just thinking really about these questions. And I really just appreciate how she summarized a lot of these issues. And if we're not really tackling these now, and that's the reason why I think for the Boy Scouts nationally that we really want to step up. We really appreciate how we, at least folks have noticed our impact on playing these seeds early and just making sure more people are aware of what's going on versus just ignoring it or having no idea. So I think as long as these efforts continue and this marketing and this publicity of these issues, I think this wake-up call will help, and we're going to start seeing some things change. And so I'm really delighted to be a part of this and helping. Rory, is the corporate world getting involved at all? I mean, They it, are. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so? no, I'm really happy to report they are. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, this project came, 
came to be for me through an initiative that Verizon has to mm-hmm. um, try to uh, give computers to and one-on-one to middle school kids across the country. So each kid gets their own computer, their own device that they can then take home with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also provide internet connectivity as well as teacher training. And those are kind of the three asset uh, aspects of this issue that you really you need to invest in all three for it really to have the impact that you want. Um, you know, Microsoft is getting involved. There's mm-hmm. also foundations. Um, you know, Bill Gates is actively involved in this issue. So you're seeing you're seeing it come from the foundation world, corporate world, are absolutely stepping in mm-hmm. in in important and significant ways. But again, my personal feeling is that this issue is so important that it needs to be a priority of the federal government. And you're seeing it happen in other countries. You know, other countries are investing 100% in this issue and making sure that their population is prepared for the future. And w- my concern is we're going to fall, fall behind on a global scale, and you can already see that happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's sort of a question of what are our priorities and, and what impact do we want to have internationally as well. Wasn't Gates at one time trying to uh, provide every young person in Africa with a tablet? seems to me that he was talking mm-hmm. about that at one juncture. Um, well, he, I know he's been invested in um, in both the United States as well as international efforts to to provide connectivity and computers to, you know, large populations. I'm not sure that it's every kid in Africa. That's a lot of people. A lot of people. But I like his vision. He's got a lot of money. I think, you know, that's that's what people look at. We have a question here from a listener asking, how will the loss of net neutrality impact this issue? Is that well, works? I mean, I, I may can, can chime in here. Um, I think that when you look at how people who don't have access to four-year degrees can can get access to education, you know, we're talking about online resources, right? There are a lot of free and accessible online resources. Launch Code provides our curriculum online, uh, as well as a lot of other organizations. And when you introduce the idea of net neutrality and having certain types of content restricted based on you know what you can afford to pay for, even if you do have internet access in the first place. You're just cutting off a lot of access to educational materials that are that are sort of really providing opportunity to those who don't have them today. And so that's a huge threat. All right. We have to wrap this up, and I want to give uh, each of you a chance to have a final thought on this. Tom, I'll start with you. A final word for our audience? audience? Well, again, uh, I appreciate being here with you today, Don, as well as, what, again, the efforts that Rory's put together to really um, enlighten, you know, our really our nation on this, this crisis. And uh, I think it's going to make a huge difference to make a change and that we're helping to get the the basics to our young people and to learn what's available with technology and where that can just take our country further with having that knowledge placed in those young people and what careers they you know career paths they go down later so i'm just excited to be a part part of this huge effort and again rory thank you for just making this whole thing happen so appreciate that rory's film without a net will be shown this evening at 6 30 at the central library downtown is that a a free event it is free and i encourage people to come um and i would love for them to see the film it's also available um, online, National Geographic broadcast the film, but we would love people to come tonight, and I'm just excited to support the effort, again, of the St. Louis Public Library, because I do think it's a it's a role model and, um, and, and to get the community to be both aware of it and support it and get behind it is essential in the larger effort. 
And Chris, a final thought? Yeah, I think that just to echo the, the, the sentiments earlier, that this needs to be a systemic thing at the government level, at the federal level, but there also needs to be a lot of energy put into uh, nonprofits, into local municipalities. This, you know, the public libraries are having a huge impact on this space as well. So we can't look to one entity or one organization to solve this problem for us, and it's not going to go away anytime soon. All right. Thanks to filmmaker Rory Kennedy. Her film without a net, as indicated, will play this evening at 630 at the Central Library downtown. Thanks, too, to Tom Craning of the Boy Scouts and Chris Bay of Launch Code. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.